It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out all of our other wonderful links in the description on the link tree. This week's episode, the Clarenville UFO Sighting. This is a pretty fun one. Happened all the way back in 1978. This topic was chosen by our Discord, as I say, Discord by our Patreon supporters who voted every week. They get to vote for the upcoming topic. And this one was going up against uh, the Bernie Madoff scandal, which, you know, they chose the UFO over the conspiracy. So, you know, that's how it usually goes. We'll see. Uh, We'll get Agent Ether wants to do a lot more conspiracies um, because we do mostly UFOs, I guess. But whatever, We'll, we'll work some in there. There's three tiers on Patreon. We have the lower tier that gets you early access and after hours, the medium tier that gets you bonus episodes and the top tier that lets you vote on upcoming episodes. And I just noticed on the website, by the way, if you're not sure and you want to check out what kind of stuff we have on there, most of the things on there should have audio previews. If you just want to go look at the page and take a gander at what sorts of bonus contents that we have on there. All right, now let's get to the Clarenville UFO sighting this is a good one and it's Hell actually yeah. it's surprising that this is not a more prominent case given how good the evidence is and the number of witnesses involved but this one there's not really a whole lot to it if you if you do a search you're going to find very few blogs and websites covering it in, even though there's such good evidence almost nobody talks about this thing and I guess maybe part of that is it's happened a long time ago, but there are plenty of sightings that happened a long time ago that people are still talking about. So I'm not sure what it is about this one. Uh, might go back to my theory that there's not really anything controversial about it. It you know it happened. We have a bunch of witnesses that said they saw something, and that's pretty much the end of it. You can't really argue with them and say that you know they're all lying or it's a hoax or anything like that. But it also doesn't have anything like you know alien bodies or anything like that. So maybe it's just um, a little less controversial. So that's why it's not talked about as often as some other cases. But uh, Canada did mint a coin about this uh, UFO experience, right? Oh yeah, yeah they did. This is um, I think this is the last one. I think we've done all the coins now after this one. <laughs> oh nice. There's let's see. There's this one. There's the Yukon Encounter. There's Falcon Lake. <laughs> There's the Montreal UFO, and then what's the last mm-hmm. one? Um, I don't know. I forget the last one, but I think we've done, after this, we'll, we will have done all of the five coins that they have for that. They also have a couple and of the, coins for like ghost encounters and stuff as well, but they have five UFOs. Oh, do they? Yeah. I'd like to see some of those. Like they, they, Those are like, they're, they're like what's commonly referred to as like a challenge coin, right? Like it's, it's not like a small little coin. It's like a, like a, a, a larger one, right? Right. From what I understand. Yeah, they're different shapes and sizes. The I think the um the Falcon Lake one is kind of like an oval, kind of looks like egg shaped. And then some of the other ones are sort of like rectangular shaped, and they are silver, twenty dollar silver coins, but they sell for a lot more than that, like $130 or $140. Yeah. And they have limited runs of depending on the coin, you know, five thousand or fewer coins which sounds like a lot, but if you consider that they sell these things pretty much worldwide to collectors, 5,000 is mm-hmm. really not that many. We actually no, got yeah. we got a couple of them. I think we got the Yukon one and um, the Montreal one because those are the only ones I could find for a reasonable price. The other ones are, uh-huh. especially the Falcon Lake one, that was the first one they came out with, and that one's like, oh, it's over 1,000 bucks. So I'm like, eh. Oh, crap. I would like to have it, but I don't have a thousand bucks to be spending on a stupid coin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's also, I think that they will hold their value reasonably well. I'm not convinced that they will go up in value terribly a lot, but you know, in today's day and age of 
basically hyperinflation, you kind of don't want to hold all of your money in cash. You, you want to trade it for assets, you know, because <laughs> uh-huh. ca- cash is going down. It's burning in flames. All right, well, let's get to the case. This happened on October 26, 1978, and uh, just before Halloween. So that's kind of creepy, I guess. I don't know. Witnesses on Main Drive in uh, Clarenville, which is in Newfoundland, in the Newfoundland area, or or the Labrador area. I'm not sure which. Um, I forget. I have I took I put both of those on there, and I don't know if that's like the city in the region, but it's on the east part of Canada, like towards the very very east of Canada. So it's it's on that part, like way over there. Um, Nova is that Nova Scotia? I think it's Nova Scotia over there. But anyways, so witnesses on Main Drive, there was a husband and wife called the police at about 2 a.m. And RCMP sent James Blackwell Blackwood, who was 25 years old at the time, to go check it out. And he said on the way he wasn't really expecting anything too exciting, maybe some people who were just drunk or something. But it turns out this married couple, this was actually their second sighting within a short period of time. And I'll talk about the second one later on. So they called, and by the time the cop got there, there was already... The, 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 the descriptions of the number of witnesses are a little fuzzy. Some witnesses say about it, or some accounts say about a dozen. Some accounts say several dozen. But the government, the Canadian government and the police, um, especially during interviews and stuff, what James Blackwood went on to do interviews, uh, they didn't release uh, any names of these witnesses at the time. So it's a little hard to say how many people were there exactly. But given that this thing was there for a while, I think it's safe to say that the witnesses, there were probably dozens of witnesses, if not more that saw yeah. this thing in a, in a very large region. <clears throat> but so what, what happened? So this was a brightly lit object in the sky that at first was moving east at about two to 3,000 feet altitude or 500 feet, depending on which witness you talk to. And at first, the um, James Blackwood, the RCMP officer, thought that it might be like a jet because it was, you know, kind of far away and it was just moving along like you might expect a jet to. Uh, the The couple that was originally called the police was watching it. They had binoculars that they also shared with other people there, including James Blackwood. And they were able to view this thing, you know, kind of zoomed in through the binoculars. And what they saw was an object that was oval or cigar shaped. And it had a thin tail. That was sort of a a stubby triangle. It was described as it didn't make any noise. And it was described as being a, by the, by officer Blackwood was described as being the size of a Boeing 737. Now, they've made many models of 737s, but we're talking somewhere in the ballpark of probably 100 to 120 feet long, 100 to 110 foot wingspan, and about, you know, 35, 40 foot height. Or that's the basic dimensions of a 737. So that's what he thought it looked like, about that size. The object had blue flashing lights. It was metallic, and there were no windows doors or openings of any kind so very similar to other ufo sightings there's no flight control surfaces um and they said uh, the officer said that the little triangle thing didn't look like it was like the little triangle fin because because officer officer blackwood was an aviation enthusiast and he was very familiar with a lot of different planes so he was familiar with Mm -hmm. how planes work so he said that it didn't look like that little fin tail thing was anything that could help control the craft. So who knows what it was, but it was sticking up off there, but there's no wings or anything else sticking off of the craft. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the uh, other statements that he made also was kind of a uh, pretty important um, in a way, I suppose, but uh, like the, the metal on, on the object or the craft, he said it was uh, not like normal metal. It wasn't shiny. It was it was very uh, dull, not shiny at all. Um, it wasn't smooth. It looked like it was like very coarse looking from from what he said. Which I actually that that statement kind of stands out to me because that's a very specific thing to to mention. You know, right? Yeah, and that's when he was looking at it through the telescope. But mm-hmm. it, yeah, his I have I think I have a direct quote from that a little later on. But that's yeah that. Description is really interesting because it does not sound like something terrestrial. That's for sure. 
Yeah. And, you know, and like this whole thing kind of strikes me as very, a very odd situation. And uh, to have like, a, you know, a, a UFO or whatever it was just sitting there like in plain view for, you know, uh, presumably hours. Right. And you're just like sitting there. Like what kind of an experience would that have been for anybody? That, that sounds crazy. Like you're sitting there. The thing ain't moving. It's just like out there, you know, like just just presenting itself like it wants to be seen almost you know right and it's like like i would kind of freak out a little bit like what the hell what the holy hell this is this thing is just sitting there you know like and like like it, it sounds like a crazy experience because like you're seeing this it, like you know from what they say it obviously looked like a, a ufo or definitely not an aircraft and obviously an aircraft or a helicopter if a helicopter was out there you would be able to hear like the helicopter right mm. um I, I don't see why not, you know, and even like some of those like uh, stealth helicopters, they still make noise, you know, and also yeah. like when you see a helicopter, it's obvious it's a helicopter, you know what I mean? You're not going to look at it and be like, oh, that's a UFO or, you know, I freaking, that doesn't make any sense, you know, but what a weird experience, you know, just for that thing just to be sitting there in plain sight and, you know, and just like, obviously whatever it was, it didn't care about being seen, you know, is what I'm saying. Right. And it gets weirder because... The officer flashed the lights on his car. I think, um, what do they call them? The wigwags? <laughs> he, <laughs> he flashed his wigwags and the UFO mimicked the lights. It flashed back at, you know, well, it flashed the, its lights like in the same rhythm or whatever that the officer was flashing his lights. So yeah, that's not too strange. I've, I've been known to flash my wigwags from time to time. You know? <laughs> yeah, who doesn't, you know? <laughs> well, while doing the whirly bird, I might add, you know? Yeah, you get a couple of drinks <laughs> in there, you're guaranteed to see something like that. Oh, yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it. And uh, <laughs> it is a beautiful sight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, well, it's uh, <laughs> he wears tassels, people, okay? I'm just going to say yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, one of the witnesses there, the, the couple who originally called said, asked the officer when he flashed his lights, they said, what are you doing? The officer said he was trying to make contact. And then uh, Chester as the, the guy's name. He said he didn't want to make contact. So he peaced out. He's like, nope, I am out of here. This is enough UFO for me. So him and his wife left. <laughs> Sounds pretty reasonable. Now, the officer went to the detachment office, which he didn't say, and at least in the interviews I saw, he didn't say exactly how far away that was, but I got the impression that it was pretty close, like probably less than a five-minute drive. He went to the detachment office and got a telescope that I guess they used to look for drug smugglers on the water, I guess. He came back with that, and it was a lot more powerful than the binoculars and by the time he got back, the object had stopped moving and was hovering above the water near Random Island. And I, that's, I'm not just saying Random Island as if I don't know the name of the island. Apparently, the name of the <laughs> island was Random Island. <laughs> I know, that's, that's weird. Yeah. Well, I have a theory for that. So, tale, uh, tales told that uh, the Canadians up there love them some beer, and whoever was in charge of naming stuff was probably pretty drunk and he just ran out of steam and he had another island to name. And somebody said, okay, well, what do we name this one? Ah, ah, I don't know. Random Island, you know, and then just passed out or something. <laughs> I don't know. Why else would you name it Random Island? It doesn't make any sense. Just, I don't know. Yeah. There's another island we'll talk about later on if we get to it. That's also, or a lake, I think, you know, it was a lake that has a unusual name that I thought it might be a typo. I'm like, that's a weird name for a lake. But anyways, through the telescope, he got a better look at the object, and he saw that there were blue flashing lights on either side. There was a red light on top, on the top middle of the object as well. And I guess that was like at the, a lower magnification on the telescope, but he zoomed in even further to 60 times uh, magnification, and the object fully filled the scope. He said that the bottom half of the object was completely illuminated, he said it looked like a source of light, not a reflection. And when he zoomed in, he could see that the blue light looked like it was flashing very, very rapidly. And while he was watching it, the object rotated or turned around. When he zoomed in on the red light at the top of the object, he said it looked like it was alternating red and white. And it was flashing very, very rapidly. And he said he'd never seen a light flashing that rapidly before. 
and compared it to, um, I don't think he said strobe light, but I, I think, what did he say? Uh, he said it was sort of like if you go to a concert or something and they have flashing lights and it felt disorienting like that does, like when you go to a concert. A concert. So I thought, okay, it's dis- a disorienting flashing light. That's kind of strange. But I think the reason why he focused on that distinction was because a lot of airplanes or pretty much all airplanes do have flashing lights. So it seems like he's trying to say that, no, this was not an airplane light. It was flashing much, much faster than you would see on an airplane light. Because, yeah, yeah go ahead, ETA. Well, no, I just, I agree. yeah, the, the lights on an airplane, yeah, they do flash, but very slowly, you know, and, and very in, intentionally, I guess you'd say, you know, it's when you, when you see the, uh, the lights on an airplane, like it's, it's very obvious that, well, that's an airplane, you know? Yeah, for sure. They, they don't flash, they don't flash in a way that will, you know, give you seizures or something, you know what I mean? Or they don't cause disorientation, at least not that I'm aware of. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Very strange detail. So he looked at the tail under the telescope and he described it as a triangular shaped tail. He said it was small and stubby. The object stayed for about an hour and a half, turned side to side. And then before it left, it started to move a little bit. It moved up and down, sideways, back and forth, and, you know, just kind of moving around. And he said that when it moved, it moved rapidly. Like it was, um, it would go, you know, it'd be in one spot and then it would move up or down like real quick, almost like you couldn't see it or something like it was just here. And then it was there, like it was moving really quickly, but then it would always snap back to where it came from. And we've heard about hmm. this in a couple of other cases that we've talked about on this show before. That's a very, very interesting detail because it matches some other UFO sightings that we've talked about. So whenever you see these commonalities, to me, it supports the idea that there's something out there it makes, you know, when you have these independent yeah. witnesses describing similar movements of these ships, it kind of makes you think, well, maybe they are seeing something out of this world, you know? Yeah. I mean, I imagine like with that description, it kind of sounds like the, the craft was like teleporting back and forth within a, a small area, you know? Yeah. And like it, that definitely does not describe the movement of any aircraft that I know of that, you know, humans have made. Yeah, and it, it made me wonder if, so this happened right before it disappeared. And when it disappeared, it rose straight up slowly for a little bit, and then it just shot off like a meteor, you know, just boom, it was gone. Uh-huh. And I wonder if this was the ship starting up its, you know, it's powering powering up its um, engine ready to leave. And if it's using something that can manipulate space and time or something that operates in another dimension that we're not aware of. Then yeah, maybe that's exactly what I was thinking. Yes, maybe it causes the ship to look like it's moving around like this, but it wasn't really moving. It was in the same place, and it was just firing up its motor, getting ready to shoot off. You know, because anything, even a craft like a drone that's not manned by a biological entity of some kind, if it went that quickly and it was subject to the laws of inertia, it would tear itself apart with the forces. Just the air friction alone, let alone the G-forces, would rip any craft apart, moving that quickly. So it mm-hmm. it suggests that these, you know, whatever these ships are or these craft, whatever they are, they're not subject to the same laws of physics that we are. They've discovered ways around that, you know, and as they would mm-hmm. have to, if they were traveling from far away, there's no way you're going to get from here to there. Even at the speed of light, it can take an incredibly long time depending on where you're going. So it would make sense if they had developed some, you know, some really interesting stuff. Yeah. Or, or like, like what you're, you're mentioning there, like if they existed on a different plane of reality, like, you know, a paradimensional dimensional, whatever. Um, like if they're coming from a different dimension, who knows what that would look like to us. Right. Right. So I mean, that could be possible that that's a, a byproduct of that, that type of a thing, you know? So I, yeah. who knows, but it's definitely a very odd situation. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, pretty strange. And we don't have anything that can just hover there and then just sort of zip around like that and then shoot off. Like there's nothing that I know of, you know, that I've ever heard of that can do anything remotely like that. We have aircraft that can hover. We have jets that can hover, you know, the, for example, the good old Harrier that can hover, but it can't do what this thing did, you know? <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. 
So here's a quote that that uh, office that the officer said about the scope. Just just uh, just for fun, you know, I took down some of his quotes here about what he said because he did a lot of interviews. Anybody interested, you can probably find tons of interviews of this guy. I found one on YouTube, and there's also some from newspapers that I found, but you can see what he said. So here's one of his quotes. He said, Chester had binoculars, but this thing was a lot better with 60 times magnification. I got to see it I got to see it close up. It didn't come any closer to us, and as it started to leave, it went up slow, taking forever to rise. Then vroom, gone like a shooting star. So that's in his own words what he saw. And he says, mm. I'm I'm familiar with aircrafts of all shapes and sizes, but the metal on it was not like aircraft metal. It was very dull and not shiny at all. It wasn't even smooth. It was very coarse looking. The technology was way beyond what we had then and still way beyond what we have now. So he's not saying necessarily it was aliens, but he's not not saying it either. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hint, hint. Yeah. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> you know, one of the things I find really kind of crazy about this situation, too, is like from, from Blackwood's own words, like he didn't really, really want to talk too much about it. But he was actually, from what I understand, he was ordered by his like superiors to actually like, give all the interviews he could. And like he spent, he was actually on the clock being paid, like just to give interviews about this situation. Yeah. That's, like, I, I find, I find that to be kind of weird, you know? Like, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Why would, yeah. Why would they want him to, to talk more about this? I, I would think like, you know, for the most part, they'd want to just kind of, you know, shove it under the rug and get rid of it. You know, like, like right. why talk about it, you know? Well, and why does, you know, why does the police force have, you know, budget to pay somebody to basically talk to people on the phone for two weeks? Cause that's what he said. Yeah. At first the benefit. Yeah. You know, at first he didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to give interviews because he knew that he was going to catch shit from the other officers. And if, if you ever hung out with any police officers, they tend to be. Um, I don't know, more of a blue collar crowd. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> there, you're going to, you're going to get your well, balls busted yeah. for sure. You will get your balls busted. Oh, yeah. if you're hanging you out with law enforcement. Skin That's a fact. A lot of times, I don't know, care like, if you're in Canada, you know. America, Europe, whatever. I think that's a universal fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he said that he didn't want to give any interviews, but they ordered him his superiors from St. John's. That's the, the capital of the area. They called and they said they want him to take any and all interview requests. And, yeah. and like you were saying, you have to wonder why, why would they want that? It's kind of weird. Yeah. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, I, I look at like, what's the motive, right? Like why, why would they want that to happen? I yeah. mean, there must've been some importance there for them. Uh, I, I, I can't see it. I don't know, but it's just weird. I don't know why they do that. Yeah. It's weird. So he has another quote here that I found really, really interesting. He said, we didn't see the thing after that, but we did have a lot of calls prior to that. So suggesting that um, a lot of people were calling not just that night, but in previous nights as well. And I'll get to some other cases at the end here, you know, after we talk about this one. I, I went, I found some um, some FOIA release documents, like police documents and whatnot of Canadian UFO reports. And there's some pretty cool stuff in there. Okay, so he said, but we did have a lot of car calls prior to that. At that particular time, there was a flight from Jordan heading to Toronto that happened to see it, and it was picked up by radar and gander. It was a big issue at the time. So they got this UFO on radar, and it was seen from an airplane. Uh, See, Panini Party says, maybe it was a joke. They were like, man, this guy keeps talking about his UFO. Let's make him talk to the press. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but he didn't. He didn't mm. want to talk to anybody about it because he knew that his fellow officers were going to give him crap. You know, that's he specifically said yeah. that. He didn't want to talk to anybody about it. He was very closed-lipped about it. But uh, maybe yeah, maybe they were just trolling him. Maybe they had a, a prankster higher up in the division. They're like, all right, he saw a UFO, huh? Well, <laughs> how would you like two weeks vacation, buddy? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you need some mental health time. Yeah, some mental health time. Why don't you talk to the newspapers, pal? Give some interviews, buddy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so after he started talking to the press, he received lots of media attention and all, of course got a lot of shit from fellow officers making like Mork and Mindy jokes and that kind of thing. <laughs> but, um, uh-huh. you know, that, and that's of course was to be expected. I, I suppose even these days, 
depending on your line of work, you probably are going to get ribbed by people you work with. But he did a lot of interviews, oh, yeah. and the the story went national and a little to a small extent international, but not as much as many many other UFO cases. It didn't really hit, at least as far as I could find, it didn't really hit the international press that hard. But it did hit the the national press and. It had an impact on the local area. So Clarenville started doing like UFO features at their businesses and having events and things like that that were themed around it, as often happens with these sorts of you know things. And I think part of that, part of the reason they did that is because I think many, many people in the area saw the UFO. Unfortunately, unlike some of the other cases we've talked to, there was no investigator, at least not that I could find, that went and canvassed the area. Sometimes you'll have UFO investigators will go to the town, they'll knock on doors, they'll go to the local watering hole, and they'll talk to people. They'll ask people, did you see it? Did you see it? What was your story? Can I take your story down for the record? But nobody did that in this case, so we don't know how many locals saw it. But I'm I'm guessing the number is, is extensive. Oh, yeah, for sure. I have to agree with that. It makes perfect sense. You know, how, 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 popular this story was and how accepted like people like like for example there was a hockey team that changed their name in the area to the clarenville ufos right yeah you know like <laughs> like, like it's just like it, it for for people to do that like, to have all these like you know like a they, they had like a local like like hotels and stuff that had like ufo special events you know or or you know uh deals you know um and like for them to embrace this that much there had to have been a ton of people that, that saw this and also a lot of people in the area because of how popular, you know, this story was or how many people probably claim to have witnessed it. That's why it's so uh, accepted and, and also embraced. You yeah. Know? Yeah, for sure. All right. So I, there was a, uh, a skeptical explanation offered for this one. Would you care to wager uh, a guess there? Agent ETA. <laughs> oh, let me think. Let me think. What could it possibly be? Maybe Jupiter? Yep, or, Jupiter. Or, yep. Yeah. <laughs> it was Jupiter. Um, and <laughs> Jupiter is very bright in the night sky. It's really cool looking. If you have a telescope or, you know, good binoculars, you can take a peek at it and you can see some pretty cool stuff. But um, it doesn't really make sense in this case. Blackwood actually spoke to that yeah. explanation specifically. He said, I tore a strip off him. He had this big explanation, but he didn't talk to me or talk to any of the other 12 witnesses. So I guess there are 12 witnesses where he was at the time. He just surmised this on his own. There was this guy doing a paper on it. I told him what I thought of him. How the hell can a planet cast a shadow on the water? How can it come down that close that it can block out random island? So he's talking about, oh, I forgot to mention that earlier. Yeah, the, the object did cast a shadow on the water, <laughs> you know? So... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was his explanation and he was pretty unhappy with that being Jupiter. But if you look at what the witness actually says, and if you look at his drawing, and if you look at the fact that there are witness statements from other witnesses and what they said, well, I mean, it's not Jupiter. (laughs) There's not a chance. Yeah. Yeah. And Blackwood actually, like he made statements about that, about that too. Cause, uh, that guy, uh, McNamara that, uh, was the one that gave this, this explanation that it was a, that it was a planet Jupiter. Uh, he even said, uh, like, uh, Blackwood said that, um, you know, he had this big explanation, and, but he didn't talk to any, like to him or any of the other witnesses that Blackwood knew of. He just like, he's like, Oh no, no, don't worry about it. No, it's Jupiter. You know, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And that's, So in a nutshell, I guess that's kind of the story. And unfortunately, we don't have a bunch of other witnesses and a bunch of other stories to tell. That's pretty much what happened. But there were a ton of other sightings that were very similar. Like I said, I found some Canada FOIA releases and I looked through them for similar sightings and I found a bunch. I can't talk about all of them here because there just isn't enough time. But there's a ton. And I didn't even have a chance to look at Project Blue Book. Well, actually, Blue Book would have been closed by this time. But I didn't have a chance to look for United States sightings either. And I, I'm willing to bet that if I did look at sightings from the United States, I would be I would find similar sightings as well. Because with these cases where you have people seeing things over a, you know, a pretty wide area, 
generally you will find it in other places as well. But these reports yeah. tend to be locked to a particular region or country, and Canada and the United States don't necessarily communicate all that well with their particular UFO sightings. So I didn't look at the mm -hmm. United States, but I'd be willing to bet I would find them. But anyways, we have a report here from Mr. and Mrs. Chester Lethbridge. Those are the, the married couple that called the police to begin with. And this one was at three in the morning on the 10th of, no, the 12th of October. And at first I thought it was a typo because it's a very similar sighting in the, in the report, the date is written as 78-10-12. So it's, you know, in a different order than I would normally use it myself. It's a, I guess that maybe that's the standard for police reports back then. But according to this police report, they saw um, Mr. and Mr. Mrs. This is, <laughs> this is cute when you see these reports and they, they um, from a certain time period, they call them the witnesses, Mr. and Mrs. Chester Lethbridge. They don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, uh -huh, that's, uh -huh. that is no longer acceptable. But back then it's a very old fashioned thing. Back then they used to rec re um, refer to married couples by the husband's name. Not okay these days. <laughs> You, you well, might, and also referring to people by their actual name, yeah. you know, is, is more thorough, right? You know, so to be more specific, you know, it, it's you might as well, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there are they lived on Marine Drive. These are not redacted, by the way. These reports have their phone numbers, their addresses, all kinds of good stuff. So you know, who knows? Maybe their kids are still living at their house, and we can call them up and harass them. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> no, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they they had their binoculars and they were outside of their house. And so, the, by the way, this is um, what is that? It's the uh, about I don't know a week and a half before the the main sighting that we're talking about. So before they saw the the main sighting we're talking about, and they called the police, they had this sighting. They were outside the residence. There was a clear visibility in the sky, and they saw an object that was about five five hundred feet altitude. Those hovering around over those hovering over Random Island, the object was circular. It looked to be thirty to forty feet in diameter, and it had flashing red, yellow, and blue lights. The object didn't move. They didn't see any movement for the object. And the following morning at five in the morning, Mrs. Lethbridge reported it to the Department of National Defense, and that's pretty much that. It's a very short summary. In the file, it doesn't go over a lot of stuff. It just has a really quick summary of what they reported. But at first, I thought it was a typo until I saw a reference to them having two sightings. And I realized this must be their first sighting that they had before they had their second sighting. So this thing was, you know, if this was the same object, it was not, uh, it was not being shy. And it was kicking around the area for a while. Oh, yeah. Like I said, like it almost seems like this object or vehicle, whatever craft, whatever it was, it wanted to be seen. Right, yeah. And the report also mentions a, um, a CH Mercer, a PTE. Um, I'm guessing these are military designations. CH, maybe that's chaplain. Uh, PTE might be private uh, something or other. Uh, so Mercer, Stoltz, and Mr. W. Miles were on duty at the uh, 226 radar squadron, and apparently they saw an, a similar object themselves. But again, they saw, well, they saw it for about two hours, and that's pretty much it. That's uh, the summary that we have. But there are many, many other sightings, and let's talk about a couple of them because they are really weird and really interesting. So the next one I have is on um, the 11th of October in way back in 1971, but I saw this in the files and it looks similar enough to where I wanted to talk about it, even though we're talking about 1978. Elizabeth Swan was driving at 7.30 p.m. and had a bunch of kids in her car on Highway 38 um, near Hodges Cove, uh, Trinity Bay, and that's in Newfoundland. She was heading west towards the Trans-Canada Highway. Great album, by the way, by Boards of Canada, <laughs> who are actually, um, I, I think, a Scottish band. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Anyways, she saw a brilliant white light appear from a westerly direction, and that light was joined by a series of other lights, six to eight of them, that had the same level of brightness as the first object. The secondary objects appeared in a diagonal line 
And then they, after they went for a little while, they broke formation and started chasing each other at a high rate of speed. Now, we've seen reports that are similar to this where objects will seem to circle around each other. That's that's uh, common enough to where, you know, it's sort of interesting. You know, I've seen that several times in UFO reports. We've talked about it on this show before. Yeah. They were they were in the area for about a minute, the objects were, and then they disappeared over the bay. She didn't hear any noise, and the objects appeared to be too low to be aircraft. So I guess there was like a cloud cover, and it was raining. So she saw the objects um, below the cloud cover, and there was way too low. So close to the ground, they the objects were close to the ground and too low to be aircraft, according to the report. Now, the the report also says at the end, here's a quote, it is felt by this investigator that the lights seen were reflections of headlights of oncoming vehicles and due to the rain, wind, and etc., made them more pronounced than normally. No other explanation mm-hmm. could be undercovered to clarify the lights unless well, otherwise... Besides, like, uh, besides Jupiter. Yeah, maybe Jupiter, Venus. yeah. <laughs> to, uh, could be undercovered to clarify the lights. Unless otherwise instructed, this file will remain as hereunder shown. So <laughs> it's almost like, you know, the police or the police report, the, the cop is basically saying, the fuck am I supposed to do? I'm just, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, give well, me- and most officers, like, they're, they're not going to want to have to deal with this kind of stuff. They're yeah. Like, God damn, like, damn it. I, I got one of these cases. Like, yeah. Oh, shit. I better just like come up with some, something, you know. They're probably more interested in stopping somebody from getting the crap beaten out of them or somebody from getting their house burglarized. They, they don't probably want to spend their days investigating UFOs. And that's the impression I yeah. get from reading a lot of these police reports. Most of them have something like this in the report where the cop is basically like, hey, fuck you guys, <laughs> you know. Hey, fuck you, hey fuck I'm you, not buddy. your guy, buddy. Yeah. I'm not your buddy, guy. <laughs> I'm not looking into these UFOs. Oh, I need to work my Canadian accent. I was trying to do one yeah, there, but... All my accents are horrible. Yeah. Atrocious. It did. I was I was trying to bust one out, but it didn't work out. I, I need to practice that. But anyways, yeah, the, the cop is just not, not into it at all. <laughs> you know, that's the impression I get. All right. At 1122 on uh-huh. October 30th, 1977. So now this is about a year prior to the Clarenville event. Mr. Upham of North River, or near North River. Um, Mr. what? Upham, U-P-H-A-M is his name, apparently. Oh, um, Corporal okay. Good and Truro RCMP, uh, Kenneth Upham. Wait, wait, that's what the report said. So I guess maybe Upham was uh, from the RCMP. These witnesses saw an object that was shaped like a huge star, moving slowly, giving off a clear light. It turned, uh, the light turned from being a clear light to flashing red, blue, and green colors. And they saw the object for about two to three hours. Now, again, this report doesn't wow. have a whole lot of detail at all. It ju- it's basically just a list. It looks like something they filled out saying what they saw, but it sounds an awful lot like the Clarenville event, you know? Uh-huh. All right. Now, here's closer to the event. Ronald Watkins saw an, uh, an object on September 9th, 1978 at 3.50 in the morning. He was 20 kilometers south of Bo- of uh, Bowdoin, Alberta on Highway 2. What um, the hell was this fella doing up at 3.50 in the freaking morning? I know, right? They're, well, him and his wife, uh, Cher Watkins, which that's We're an awesome... doing a bunch of meth. That's an awesome name. We need to bring back Cher. That's a, I think that's a French name. <laughs> Is it? All right, well, I'm not too big of a fan. Of uh, do you do sure. you believe in uh what's that what's that song? You believe in life after uh, love or whatever? <laughs> something I don't know. Is that is that about Sonny Bono? I don't know. I, I'm not I a know. huge fan of her of her uh, music either, but um, the name's nice. Anyways, they saw a bright white saucer like <laughs> object <laughs> that was that had small red lights one light on each side, very similar to the Clarenville object. Only the lights on the Clarenville object on the sides were blue. The object was 500 feet above the ground and they witnessed it for about 10 to 15 minutes. They first saw it heading South at a high rate of speed. Watkins, that is Ronald Watkins stopped his vehicle. When he did this, the, the object 
also stopped. When Watkins moved five feet to the north, the object appeared to move an eighth of a mile south. And the object stopped moving when they stopped. He repeated this several times until the object was about one mile from them. Um, After this, they left and after this, uh, they, they left and the object, when they left, the object left at lightning speed. They didn't hear any sound. And both, uh, the report says both parties were very tired when sighting, when the sighting took place. And it is possible that the object was a stationary light. <laughs> Again, it's, it's weird that that it's weird that the object was like mirroring like their, their movements and stuff. I would have started twerking or something to see if like, what kind of response I can get out of that. Yeah. Right. That would, that'd, be, <laughs> that'd be fun. But the reason <laughs> I, I included this one is it, it reminded me of the Clarenville object that reacted to the officer's headlights or not headlights, uh, wigwags. Um, <laughs> Uh such a stupid name (laughs) (laughs) but it reminded me that because the object was like interacting with the witness you know at least it appeared to be but who knows all right next up we have linda louise leheru l comma h e u r e u x i think that would be leheru something like that leheru uh anyways she had a sighting on october 29 1978. So just a few days after the Clarenville sighting, she was driving a vehicle northbound on main access road in Gorsard when she saw a curved like wisp of lighted fog, which began moving forward at quite a speed. It was 20 degrees up from the horizon. The wisp of light fog appeared to have broken away from the light, which was still for the time being revealing a quarter moon shaped object. Now this report, the way it's written is not super clear. And a lot of these reports, I wonder if the officer who wrote them was perhaps a native French speaker, but was writing in English. You know, that's their second language because a lot of these reports have an awful lot of typos or misspelled words. So I Maybe wonder there's some loss, some lost in translation there. Exactly. That's what I think, because this is a very bizarre description. But anyways, the wisp of light fog appeared to have broken away from the light, which was still for the time being revealing a quarter moon shaped object. The object grew into a full moon shape and then moving out from behind it came red glowing disc with blue glowing center. We now have a wisp of fog shaped like a wedge a moon-like disc, dull yellowish in color, and a red-blue-centered disc. Then the whole issue moved forward very rapidly in a westerly direction, then stopped. Then the red disc shifted forward in a slow-motion type of way back into the moon disc. The disc had caught up to the definite-shaped fog wisp. There also appeared at this time to be an exhaust trail behind it, The entire process was performed over again two times. The disc then disappeared, leaving behind the wedge-like wisp and an exhaust trail. The total duration of the sighting was three to five minutes. Now, the interesting thing is, is that she did not report this incident until she had a second sighting um, along with her husband, which was uh, her husband's name is Arthur. And this sighting was not that long later, just a, you know, a month later or a month and a half later on the 13th of December, 1978, they were at their house and they saw an object between five 50 in the morning and nine o'clock in the morning. This object appeared above. Um, this is the lake name I mentioned earlier, lesser slave lake. <laughs> Huh, what? that's an odd name. Yeah, remember I, I promised you guys an oddly named lake earlier in the episode, and there you go. <laughs> there must be some kind of meaning behind, behind, like, you know, random island, like why it was called random. There has to be something there. Like, right. There's a reason why they, they named it that name. Because that's like, it, it's just a, uh, I don't know, it, it's a random name, you know, yeah. uh, pun intended. Uh-huh. Well, but like, uh, it, it's just odd. You know, like, why, why would you name it that? I, I, I don't get it, you know, unless like there's another meaning to the word random than I know of, you know? Yeah. 
Well, hey, if anybody lives near Clarenville and they have any idea why that why that um, island is named Random Island, let us know. <laughs> you know, well, it could very. I mean, I I am no expert at all in in language, but maybe there's a random means something in French than uh, as opposed to in English. Maybe it means something else. I don't know. Oh, I have that's no idea. But yeah, that's actually a really good idea. That's true. Maybe, maybe yeah. I I don't know. This is just a guess. But so we'd have to say Random Lake. You know, the, yeah, what they French maybe accent? Pronounced, maybe it's not even pronounced random. You know, yes. random or random. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Lesser Slave Lake. So a lesser lake, I could see that being if there was like two lakes next to each other, one of them was really big and one of them was smaller. Maybe the smaller one would be called Lesser Lake. But why would you call it Slave Lake? Maybe historically that's where slaves did stuff. But even maybe. so. Why would you call uh-huh. it Slave Lake? That's, I don't know. Most people don't celebrate that kind of a history, you know, <laughs> by naming stuff no. after. I don't know. It's a really weird name. Maybe it's, a, there are different meanings of slave. Slave can mean multiple things, not just people. So maybe it refers to some other definition of slave, you know, I don't know. Anyways, yeah. the object was a large white light shining like a star, but bigger. Sound familiar? But this time it was triangular in shape and it pulsated like many of the other other sightings had pulsating lights. It had a red like sparks or beams were emitting from the top point. The triangle would flare up and then go roundish. It appeared to be settling down in a swinging type motion. Settling down in a swinging type motion. I don't know what that means, but it sounds weird. now the the wife went in to grab the husband and she lost sight of it obviously when she did that when they returned it had risen 45 degrees in the sky uh, suggesting it started lower on the horizon getting smaller as it did there was a fog or haze around it they watched it through binoculars and saw that it was a solid object that looked like molten steel molten steel Mm. Hmm. they watched it Yeah, they watched it until 8.45 or so, and it started leaving at that time, and by 9 o'clock, it was gone. So that's a couple of kind of bizarre sightings that happened around the same time as the, you know, as as the Clarenville sighting. All right, next up, November 14th, 1978. A couple weeks later, after Clarenville, four witnesses saw an object with two blue flashing lights on its bottom. And the cool thing about this one, I'm not going to read all four witness statements, but all four witnesses typed, well, there are typed statements. So I don't know if, how they were taken exactly, but you can read the four different statements in the file. They all describe the same thing from slightly different perspectives. They were all in the car, and it's just really interesting to read through that and see how they all describe it, you know, because they all say slightly different versions of it, which is really interesting to me, but they all describe the same thing. But the basic idea is that they saw an object with two blue flashing lights on its bottom, and it was heading northwest. The driver chased it in the car towards the Centennial Center, and I'm not familiar with the area, so I don't know what that is, but I'm guessing it's you know, maybe a convention center or a stadium or something. The object mm-hmm. stopped when, oh, hold on. The object stopped when the witness was on, the, on a back road. The witness flashed his headlights and the object flashed back at the witness with its blue lights. And the, uh, the witnesses all said that he, when he flashed the headlights, he was flashing the bright, you know, the high beams on and off. And he was doing it with a particular rhythm and the object flashed its lights back with the exact same rhythm or timing that the oh. that the headlights were being flashed. Sound familiar? I mean, it's it's uh, another a certain one. movie, a certain movie I might have seen. Yeah. Also, some of these other witness reports where that we've talked about with the Clarenville sighting, where the object is flashing back, you know, responding to lights. Yeah. And you know that might be their way of communicating. They're like, oh look, the primitive little monkeys are flashing lights at us. Ha ha. Okay. Hey, flash. Give, give them another flashback. See, tell them we see them. You know, we know they're there. All right. Yeah, cool. Uh-huh. Here you go. Beep, beep, beep. Give them a little flash. You know, the witnesses, when the object got closer, the witnesses saw a string of yellowish lights around the object. And there was a red light on top of the object. This sounds an awful lot like the Clarenville object. Very, very similar. The object seemed to turn around and came towards the car. Uh, its altitude lowered 
from 500 feet to 200 feet, and it came within 1,000 yards. Once again, there was no noise. It stopped for a few seconds and then moved off towards their left. When it left, it turned off all of its light, ex- all of its lights except for one bright flashing blue light and one red light. And that's pretty much the sighting in a nutshell. And you could look this one up and look at all the witness statements. There's a little bit more details to it, but that's essentially what happened. And it sounds an awful lot like the Clarenville sighting. It looks like what we have here is a genuine flap, a genuine UFO flap in Canada, probably the States as well, where a whole lot of people are seeing very similar objects. And then there was that one lady who saw lady and her husband who saw like that crescent shaped object and the discs moving around. And that one, I wonder if it was some kind of mothership or, I mean, what was the deal with that one? It's really weird, really bizarre sighting. I don't know what to make of that one myself. But, yeah, I don't. I don't know. But this this time period definitely has. A, there's a lot of cases. It seems like a little bit of a hot spot. You know, there's, there was a lot going on during this period period of time. You know. Yeah, there's a ton of sightings. We're only scratching the surface of the sightings that I found, just in the FOIA document releases. I'm willing to bet that if you dug into newspapers, not just in Canada, but all over the world, look at newspaper reports. Um, and other other outlets like maybe books and things like that. If you really dug around, you probably would find quite a lot of interesting sightings. And for me, that tells me that you know when you have people in different areas independently reporting the very similar things or the same thing, essentially, that pretty much cements it in my mind that there was some kind of anomalous object moving around and doing weird yeah. stuff. I think so. I, I completely agree with that because this isn't a coordinated a coordinated thing. It's not like all these, like you just said or alluded to, these people aren't like, you know, planning this. Like they're they're just reporting what they see. And there's so much going on during this period of time. Like, like something had to have been happening. I, I don't know. It definitely wasn't Jupiter or Venus, you know, but like it's it just like, I wonder is like, you know, are there like, like uh, periods in time where, you know, if aliens are real, whether they be interdimensional beings or whether they're coming from a different planet, whatever it is, do they have like certain periods where they're like more active than others? You know, like it seems like it to me, like, like it seems like, like sometimes you just have more active periods and, and you have the, these cases that seem to revolve around each other, you know, in like certain time periods, there was just like more activity going on there. And, and there must be a reason for it. I couldn't tell you why exactly, but I mean, it's noticeable, you know, that, that like certain, certain time frames, there's just a lot going on and there must be a reason for it. You know, right. I, 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 like I said, I couldn't tell you why, but it's, it's a, uh, one of those things where you notice, like, it's just, it, it's a, it, there has to be a reason for it. You know, that there's a lot going on here and I couldn't tell you why it's going on, but it's going on. I don't know. I'm obviously I'm being very vague about it, but that's because like, it's, it's confusing to me, you know, like, like some of these like flaps and stuff that we're talking about, like, it's just like, what the hell is going on here? Like there's, I mean, I wish I knew the answer, you know, yeah. but I, I don't, all we know is there's all these cases that are going on during certain time periods and stuff. And it seems to be like, there's, there's just time periods where, like things get hot and then it cools down for a little bit and then shit starts happening again, you know? And like, you're just like, what the fuck? Like, you know, just, there must be a reason and who knows what it is, whether it be maybe, I don't know. I'm kind of a big fan of the, the theory, uh, that, you know, like, like governments have recovered like UFOs or whatever. And they're like reverse engineering them. And maybe there's, there's periods of time where, you know, they, they have made breakthroughs or whatever, and they're able to fly certain crafts or, you know, uh, maybe, you know, make the crafts that they have found work or something like that. And they're just testing it out. And part of it could be like, you know, they're, you know, maybe the pilots that are flying these crafts has like, have like a sense of humor, you know, and they're just like, uh, look at, look at what we got, you know, yeah. check this out. <laughs> uh, nobody's ever going to believe you. <laughs> you, yeah. you see it. Uh, you're looking right at me, but no, nobody's ever going to believe you. <laughs> Good luck. You know, <laughs> right. Good luck telling your story. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know too, but like, uh, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's very odd. Right. And one thing that I find interesting about a lot of these different stories there are some some cases where it seems like 
somebody read something in the newspaper and then they come out with their own version of that story and it's pretty much the exact same story. But a lot of these witnesses have similar stories, but they're not identical. You know, some of the details just don't line up, which to me suggests that these are genuine stories. These are not copycat uh-huh. stories. Uh-huh. But I'm sure that there have been people that like, like for whatever weird reason they wanted attention. So they just made stuff up, you know, like, you know, like, like, uh, I, I've seen this, like, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of like ghost stories and stuff. Right. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I've watched like uh, countless different ghost shows and we've talked about this before. I've never seen anything that couldn't be faked on, on any of these shows. I've seen some evidence that like, you know, is kind of compelling, but it, it's still, you know, it's possible it could, could have been faked, you know? And you see this sometimes like in, in the UFO, uh, region too, you know, it's just like, I think some people probably, they, they, for whatever weird reason, this is how they, they try to get attention, right? Because some people just want attention, right? They're, you know, narcissists or whatever, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, at the same time, there, there's a lot of these UFO sightings. I, I don't think that is all, at all what's going on, you know, that they, they are just plain telling you a story that they they actually experienced, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I, it's, it's hard to know what to believe, you know, as I guess is what I'm saying, you know? Right. Yeah. It's really interesting stuff. And there was so many of these stories out there if for, even just for the Clarenville event that um, yeah. I'm pretty sure that these are genuine stories and that this is a real object. And, yeah, and oh, yeah. interestingly enough, a lot of the witnesses report movements that do not match our understanding of physics. This thing does not appear to be subject to inertia and things like that. And I'm not sure that we have advanced stuff like that. Uh, it doesn't seem like our technology yeah. is that gone that far. So if it it's definitely not ours, seems like it's operating that it, object, th- that object was operating on, on, on different pr- parameters. You know what I mean? Right. This is a 1978, you know, and yeah. we we had the SR-71, which was pretty cool, but it couldn't do what this thing was doing. You know, I, we don't have anything that even today, not that I'm aware of, maybe there's some top secret stuff these days. Who knows? But I doubt I mean, it. There's some, there's some pretty cool drones and stuff that, you know, like, like the, even like the small ones. Like, yeah, you ever seen those, like, uh, I've seen some videos of like, yeah, those drone like races and stuff where people have those, like, you know, that their headset on, you know, and mm-hmm. they, they, they have a, ca- a camera on the drone. They're making super freaking like uh, precise like movements and like going through different barriers and, and obstacles and stuff. And those drones, like and they're small, they're not big, you know, but like they're, they're extremely agile and very impressive. Like what, what some of these guys can do, some of these people can do with these drones, but it's not like, it's not that though. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's right. still not like, yeah, it's, it's a completely different thing, you know? So it, I don't know. It's, it's a, uh, whatever, those that object was it wasn't something like that especially back then because you know as far as i know we didn't have drones like that back then you know Mm -hmm. yeah there i have seen videos my favorite is when they synchronize a whole bunch of drones like hundreds of them like a cloud of drones and they do like a light show at night that's badass yeah yeah some of that stuff is super impressive man like like they have they'll have like a couple hundred drones doing synchronized movements and stuff and making like a show for for you know whoever and and uh it's it's just amazing that they can have that many moving objects and they don't like hit each other and stuff you know and they're all obviously they're all synced into the same software and stuff so they like you know you know it it makes sense that they don't hit each other because they they all have uh you know like uh safety fails and stuff like that like like you know they they have a, a certain distance that they'll they'll keep you know but yeah, that, I've seen some of those shows. They're pretty impressive, man. Like it's 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 pretty damn cool. You know, the last one I saw was on a uh, 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 Cletus McFarland, um, hmm. that YouTube uh, uh, channel, and uh, he had he had like uh, some company that specializes in that kind of stuff, and they had like uh, some races at, at his like uh, racetrack, and they they put on like a, a, a like a, a I think it was on July Fourth. I, I it was some kind of something like that. It was like a pro American, like you know. July 4th, like celebration of, of some sort, I think, hmm. but like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like super complicated, but it was complicated enough where it was impressive. I was like, damn, this is, this is actually kind of cool. And I think they had like a couple hundred drones, something like that. And it's like, damn, dude, that that's, it's impressive. It really is yeah. impressive. You know? 
you can have that many moving objects, you know, in conjunction with each other and, and not like fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It's really cool. They man, technology just keeps getting better and better. But all right. I think that pretty much wraps it up for this week's episode. Um, I, I think we pretty much did our final thoughts and everything. So that's, that's all we got for you guys. Uh, next week I am, I don't know if we'll do an episode or not next week because I'm going to be out of town for most of the week. I'm getting back on Thursday, so I'm not sure if I'll have enough time to prepare. So probably the following week will be our next show. So until next time, uh, can we keep it strange, Agent ETA? Oh yeah, baby. Keep that shit strange. (laughs) 